On this week's MMA and wrestling edition of My Take Radio, we got Bellator 172, this past weekend's UFC event, the return of GSP, and much more. On the wrestling side of things, of course, we got Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, and all the newsworthy happenings in the world of professional wrestling. The MMA and wrestling edition of My Take Radio starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio, episode 398, powered by Rageworks. I'm your host, Rich, and you are checking out the MMA and wrestling edition of the show. Uh, we release two shows per week, one MMA and wrestling focused, the second gaming and entertainment focused. If this is your first time tuning in, I want to say thank you for checking it out. Uh, I'm going to share my thoughts on what happens or what goes on in the world of MMA and professional wrestling We've been doing it on a weekly basis now for 398 episodes. And if you want to get familiar and this is your first time tuning in, I invite you to check out some of our earlier episodes. Uh, we have professional wrestlers, mixed martial artists on. Plus, we usually have crowd interaction based on some of our live broadcasts. But now since switching back to podcast, uh, it's a little a little less stringent in terms of just being uh, shackled to the live format. So thank you guys for hitting play and downloading it. And with that, let's get into some housekeeping for this week. Uh, first and foremost, as many of you know, if you've been following us on social media, uh, Rageworks was at Toy Fair 2017. Uh, myself and the rest of the Rageworks team were covering the entire event from Saturday through this past Monday, uh, President's Day. We ended up uh, taking Tuesday off just because it's it's a very, very exhausting event. Uh, lots of running around, lots of photos, lots of videos. You guys can check all that on RageWorks.net. Uh, if you're a WWE fan, there was a ton of great WWE merch from Mattel that we got to check out. And photos for that are in a separate post that we did on RageWorks.net. Uh, they're going to be releasing new figures for WWE Zombies. Also a brand new NXT line and also some expanded additions to the WWE Mutants line as well plus a ton of other stuff so definitely check out our write-up for the new wwe line from mattel in addition to that i always want to remind you guys that my take radio is not the only show on the rageworks podcast network we have a ton of great shows covering a bunch of different things including trss black is the new black and of course the variant issue and for something a little bit more broad we definitely invite you to check out uh call me when it's over with Josie's boy uh definitely something that is a far departure from the norm but definitely with a uh with tony's artistic stylings gives you guys something special and unique so we have something for everybody on the rageworks network and as always i invite you guys to check out all of the shows besides mtr of course which you're listening to now all right so it's been a pretty quiet week outside of that. Had a, a little bit of uh, some personal stuff going on. Had one of my cats pass away uh, this past Monday. Kind of sucked. I uh, had him for 15 years. Uh, ended up getting a tumor in his throat and, you know, took him to the vet. And the vet was like, listen, can't take it out. Got to just make him as comfortable as possible. And that's it. So uh, I pretty much went from, I'd say, two weeks after we took him to the vet, give or take, until this past Monday that he passed away. Uh, I was definitely very rough for many people in my house, myself included. Uh, it was the first pet that my me and my wife owned while we were dating. 
So pretty much the amount of time that we were dating and have been married, we've had that cat as a pet. So, um, you know, definitely a, a rough start to the week, but, you know, definitely uh, something that that played a part in, in how I approached this week. Uh, aside from that, though, business as usual, we got episode 400 live next week, March 1st. 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific. You're going to be heading to mtrlive.com. We're going to have live audio, live video. We're going to have the show chat in full effect. And of course, you are welcome to call in and share your thoughts on any of the stuff we talk about for that episode, whether it be MMA or wrestling. So please, uh, if you're a fan of the show and you want to be involved in a live broadcast, you're going to join us March 1st at 11.30 p.m. Eastern, 8.30 p.m. Pacific for a special live MMA and wrestling edition of my take radio. And of course it will be our 400th episode. So with that, that's going to wrap up the housekeeping. Let us get into this weekend. Oh, well, let me rephrase that. Let me, let's get into this week's MMA. Shall we? It was a busy week in the world of MMA this past weekend with Bellator and the UFC having two very, very solid cards for very, very different reasons. Bellator 172 is what we'll kick things off with. As many of you know, all of us were excited to see the last emperor, Fedor Emelianenko, make his return to the cage and his Bellator debut against Matt Mitrione. Later on, we would find out that that fight was not happening as a result of some health issues that Mitrion was experiencing that I'll get into later on in the moment, which threw the card in complete disarray. As I was monitoring social media throughout the day, I kept hearing rumblings that the fight was off, the fight was on, the fight was off, the fight was on. And when it all was said and done, unfortunately, the fight did not happen. And um, Matt Mitrion had to be hospitalized. And it's unfortunate, but the card did go on and there were still some solid fights. Um, One of the other fights that I was keeping an eye on was the Bellator debut of Josh Koscheck, who was coming in taking on Mauricio Alonso. Now, it's been a rough road for Koscheck on his return back to the cage. Um, you know, he's been dealing with a ton of injuries. He's he's not getting any younger. Um, he's been trying to, to, to get into the cage for the longest time and just kept getting derailed, derailed. We were looking forward to seeing him square off against Paul Daly and various other fights. But when it was all said and done, Koscheck made his way to the cage to face Mauricio Alonso, and unfortunately, it was not a uh, the debut that Koscheck was hoping for, as he was dispatched by Mauricio Alonso via TKO in the first round. It was interesting too because you know it was a lot of back and forth. You know, Koscheck was using a lot of open palm to to gauge his distance, and Mauricio Alonso definitely was really, really taking it to him. And the hardest part was Koscheck just he kept palming and palming trying to close the distance, but he just wasn't able to get any sort of momentum going into it. And um, it was it was pretty much it. You know, Alonso stunned Koscheck with a with a right. And then as Koscheck was backing up to the cage, he got cracked again and he actually covered his eye as he fell to the floor. And it's um it's interesting because I think that that might have been the eye the, the that was that had the orbital bone broken by GSP back in 2010. Um, not a hundred percent sure if that was the case, but he definitely did grab that, you know, grab hit the, the area around his eye as he went down. It's unfortunate, you know, this is Koscheck's sixth consecutive loss. Not sure where he goes from here. Uh, many of us were hoping to see, uh, you know, just see him farewell i mean i've i've never had any ill will towards josh koscheck i've always felt that he was a uh, an interesting character a uh, a guy to keep an eye on especially in the early goings and he he fared well he started kind of rounding out his toolkit but i've always felt that by the time he finally hit his stride the sport had evolved so much that he was he was being taken out by by a lot of guys who just had a more well-rounded set of 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 tools in their arsenal now coming into bellator of course i i have always felt that he was brought into bellator just to get that semtex rematch which i wouldn't be shocked if that was the case only because that's the fight that everybody would tune in for just to, just to see him and paul daly square off once again and to see if the result would be the same i, I know a lot of people that dislike josh koscheck would just love to see that fight strictly on the merit of paul daly rearranging his face 
I'd be curious just to see it because there's some bad blood there, and I feel that that the buildup alone just makes it an interesting fight to keep an eye on. Now, you know, Josh Thompson and Patricky Patricky Pitbull were scheduled to square off. They were originally going to be the co-main and ended up becoming the main event for that card. Uh, Josh Thompson coming over from the UFC, Strike Force veteran, taking on Patricky Pitbull, and um, it was it was all Pitbull from the first round all the way through as he dispatched Josh Thompson via KO. It was, it was nasty. It really was, um, you know, in the second round, Pitbull opened up with, with, you know, smart with the leg kicks. And, um, he had initially dropped Thompson early on Thompson popped back up, but then he just hit him with a massive uppercut as Josh Thompson was shooting in for the takedown. Thompson flattened out and it was a wrap. At that point, um, Pitbull just, you know, got some academic strikes in there. It was a, um, it was, a, it was a beautiful finish. It's interesting though, because when you watch the, the, the replay for the fight, you see that the first knockdown of, of the round was because of a headbutt, then a left hand. But even though that was the case, the, the end result was still the same with Pitbull securing the KO at, uh, 40 seconds in the second round. It was again, a very good fight. I was also, Looking forward to seeing the Czech Congo fight. And I watched it, you know, I flipped back and forth between channels and it, it was only just because the fight was very plotting. Um, the crowd was definitely not into it. And, you know, it's a shame. I, I've always felt Czech Congo is another one of those guys that needs one or two really good performances to really get him, uh, you know, to really get the fans behind him. Unfortunately, this performance was not the one. Even though we lost the the Fedor Mitrione main event, the Bellator card for all for all it, intents and purposes was was pretty solid. I enjoyed it as as always. Bellator brings something fun to to the stage, and that definitely was the case this past weekend. Now, following that, we had the UFC Fight Night 105 card, which which had some pretty solid fights. We had a um, we had Hector Lombard in there. Uh, we had Travis Brown fighting. And as usual, you know, not trying to go through the entire card like I've like I've tried to do just because you guys know most of the stuff. But I want to share my thoughts on some of the fights I enjoyed. Uh, Carla Sparza, Cookie Monster back in there taking on Ronda Marcos. A lot of really good wrestling from Cookie Monster, but unfortunately, it didn't do her any good as Ronda Marcos secured victory via split decision. Uh, it was it was a good round. Um, I definitely feel that that Marcos had plenty in her toolbox to keep Carla Esparza from going too crazy with the wrestling, but Esparza definitely showed a lot of of really good technique in that fight. Ronda Marcos just ended up being the better fighter on that night. Aside from that, I felt that, you know, it's um it was it was it was a solid fight from both ladies. I really enjoyed it. Uh the other fight I did want to talk about was and this fight was crazy, the uh the Sarah McMahon Gina Masney fight which, um, you know, Sarah McMahon ranked number seven in the bantamweight division, uh, usually known for, for really durable, bloody fights at stand up, um, definitely showed a little, you know, something new in her tools, in her toolbox with a beautiful arm triangle choke in the first round to dispatch Gina Masney. It was, it was really well done. And, um, what ended up happening was obviously, you know, she ended up, using uh rear weight wa- a rear waist lock to get her down and at that point she had secured back position and then she transitioned from back position to mount and it was pretty much academic she she locked in that arm triangle in the blink of an eye and she had just an, an awesome squeeze to put in there to dispatch uh Gina Masney it was really well done i was i was thoroughly impressed with that that's for sure um the other fight that I really enjoyed and, and this fight was, I was, I was unsure about how it would go was the Johnny Hendricks Hector Lombard fight. Of course, Johnny Hendricks making his, his, uh, I want to say it is his first middleweight fight. I want to say, you know, obviously Johnny Hendricks has been plagued with weight cutting issues, taking on a very dangerous Hector Lombard. And we got to see some good stuff out of Johnny Hendricks. He really, he really showed that 185 might be the the right weight for him. I think Lombard, of course, is a gamer. The guy is is no slouch by any stretch. I know a lot of people have written him off based on previous performances, but I feel that Lombard definitely still poses a threat 
at middleweight. And Johnny Hendricks looked good. He looked comfortable. He looked he looked really relaxed in there. And he started really working, working and getting comfortable in the second round uh, where he started working, you know, a variety of strikes. You know, he started working the jab. And um, then in the third round, there was a little bit. He started to get a bit more aggressive. A lot of people felt that, you know, Lombard definitely could have had the first round. I think it could have gone either way. Um, You know, Lombard definitely looked better in the first round. So I would have rather have gone with the split decision versus unanimous based on just Lombard's performance in that first round. But like I always say, never let it go to the judges. Now, your main event, the big one, Derek Lewis, ranked number eight, taking on uh, Mr. Ronda Rousey, Travis Brown. And man, what a freaking crazy fight. Um, You know, Travis Brown is um a guy that many people have been watching closely. He was a prospect, always looked at as a guy that was one or two fights away from title contention. Um, after becoming involved with Ronda Rousey, he started training with, with Edmund and uh, that camp, and everybody feels that his career has just taken a tumble since then. Uh, Derek Lewis added to that by dispatching him with a beautiful knockout in the second round. It was It was nasty. It was really, really nasty. And honestly, if you look at the replay, you'll think that that stoppage was definitely a lot later than it should have been. I mean, Travis Brown definitely took some shots that he did not need to take. Uh, Derek Lewis was a, was a beast. That's for sure. He was, he was an animal. Um, definitely a guy that, that has massive, massive jaw shattering power. And he, he showed it in that fight. Travis Brown is, is no slouch in the heavyweight division. And to just get taken apart like that, it was, it was nasty. You know, I mean, he tried to, to work in, he tried to work some offense in, tried to use the clinch game. But, um, you know, once, once he got wobbled, in that second round, Derek Lewis went in for blood and that was it. You know, he was hammering rights on him and he was out. If you see the replay, you'll be like, wow, that guy's, that guy's out for the count. And, um, it was, it was a genuinely awesome performance. I felt that fight night 105 was, you know, 50 50. It was, it had good moments and then it had moments where it, it kind of just made you want to change the channel, which I, I ended up doing. I had to end up watching some of the fights once again, you know, later on later on in the week and for me i i think that when you compare the two i felt bellator had a more exciting card i felt that the ufc had a more had a more balanced card in other words you had good performances coupled with some performances that were meh but the uh the bellator card even losing the main event was was exciting i i really enjoyed a lot of those performances you know there were a lot of guys that went in there and left that left it all in the cage not that they're not doing it like that in the UFC, but I just feel that, you know, guys like Derek Lewis are starting to really gain traction. People are digging him. You know, I felt that he's a he's definitely a personality. He's good. He's good on the mic. He has good presence and um, he's a guy to keep an eye on in the heavyweight division. That's for sure. All right. Switching gears into the news for, you know, on the MMA side, there were there were a couple of interesting news items I did want to get into. Um, first off, fight bonuses from UFC Fight Night 105. Uh, Derek Lewis and Travis Brown got the fight of the night bonus, which was, which was good, uh, well deserved. And, uh, Paul Felder and Tiago Moretta took performance of the night, uh, $50,000 a piece. Now, on the Bellator side of things, as I said, you know, Matt Mitrione had to withdraw from the card. He had to, he was hospitalized. It turns out after a, um, an interview conducted by MMA Junkie with, Bellator president Scott Coker. We got some more information about it. Uh, Matt Mitrione, it turns out, woke up. He had excruciating pain. He was taken to the hospital. They had done a bunch of tests, and it turns out that he actually had a kidney stone. And, you know, he was trying to pass the stone. He was in excruciating pain. And for, you know, obviously his safety and, and health above all, they ended up scrapping the fight. But I mean, it's, it's a legitimate gripe, man. I know, I know a couple of guys personally that have suffered from kidney stones and and trying to pass a stone is a is a brutal 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 affair i i pray i never ever have to endure that because i've known just just tough motherfuckers that they just they're just crippled completely and utterly crippled by that entire experience um i wish mitrion the best it's it's a shame that you know it happened right before this fight some people say that it's fate that you know his his body saved him from from fate or shortening taking a few years off of his life 
obviously in jest it's it's a funny way to look at it but um you know that's that's no joke and uh, i wish him a speedy recovery uh he also said that uh tito ortiz and chael were actually both offering to replace mitrione which was crazy scott coker said he got calls from chael saying put me in coach tito texted him same thing put me in and he said it. he's like we just can't do that it's not that simple and they had run out of time you know the doors were he said the doors were opening at three o'clock and they had to decide whether they were going to pull it or not and um you know they ran out of time but it looks like we may be seeing fade or fight later on this year um coker said that he is going to reschedule it's just a matter of, of working things out but um he said it's all a, the the thing that's questionable now is whether he fights matt or not depending obviously on matt matrion's health at any time but he did go on to say that it has to be special because anytime Fedor fights it's a big 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 thing and I, I agree I mean as much as people feel that Fedor is you know manufactured hype or his career is is full of cans I, I stand by the assessment that I have stood stood by before and that is the fact that Fedor fought in, in MMA in pride when you had some of the most dangerous individuals walking this planet. We're talking about guys like Mirko Krokop, Rampage, Vanderlei Silva, um, you know, Vitor, the, the list goes on of just dangerous, dangerous guys. Sakuraba, uh, you know, I, I could name a, a laundry list of guys that could pretty much dismantle most, most UFC fighters during that time period. And the fact is that that I'm not begrudging those guys, but as a fan, I'm always bothered by people's revisionist history. Yes, did Fedor fight a couple of questionable guys? Sure. But amongst the guys that he did fought, he fought some of the best uh, first ballot Hall of Famers in the sport when they were at the top of their game, period. We're talking about a guy who got uh, who got dropped on his dome by a prime Kevin Randleman survived to secure the victory kevin randleman you know rest in peace was a guy that you saw him and you'd be like listen i don't even i don't even want to i don't even want to get a hug from that person uh, randleman was a beast you know Mirko Krokop is 1000 percent a killer even now as, as old as he is he he'll still dismantle most dudes and that's something that for fedor i feel that he deserves the respect he deserves the accolades but I also feel he's in a situation much like I've said with guys like Anderson Silva, GSP, you know, the guys that are that are always going to put asses in seats. These guys now they're taking the big money fights, the payday fights, and they're not really trying to go in there. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're going to give they're going to give guys an opportunity. And that's great. I mean, him fighting Mitrione. I, you know, I love Fedor. I thought Fedor had pretty much I, I'd want to say an 80 percent shot. But Mitrione did have a puncher's chance. And I got to respect that, too. So. We'll see what happens, um, you know, whether whether we see Fedor fight later on in 2016, uh, 2016, 2017 or towards the tail end of 2017 is anyone's guess. But I guarantee you, whoever he fights, people are going to tune in, period. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, him and Rampage fight a heavyweight. I know Rampage has that fight with uh, King Mo and everybody's all like, yeah, King Mo Rampage. It's 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 nonsense. I would love to see rampage go in there and fight fedor i you know i think i think it would light a fire on the rampage's ass i think he has the the tools to go out there and put on a good performance and i definitely think that putting two guys like that in the in, in the cage is is bound to give us something special but again what do i know anyway moving on there were some interesting changes to the uh uh with regards to how the ufc and the u.s anti-doping agency are handling regulations uh both companies are actually revising some of their policies which are scheduled to go into effect on april 1st uh and both of them will make it easy for new or release fighters to return but it will also make it tougher for those who come out of retirement i.e brock lesnar <laughs> uh the new guidelines will require fighters who are released from the ufc to be available for one month's worth of testing as will new fighters but that the rule can be waived for returning fighters in the case where they return as an injury replacement. Meanwhile, according to, to the statement that was released, fighters returning from retirement must be part of the testing pool for six months with written intent to return filed with the USADA. 
Athletes with an established and verifiable history of performance-enhancing drug use may be required by the USADA to submit two clean drug tests during that time. The six months can be waived by the USADA in exceptional circumstances or where the strict application of that rule would be manifestly unfair to an athlete. You know, this is this is definitely something that is 100% in my opinion being done because of the situation with Brock Lesnar. Um, the Brock Lesnar situation was very, very, it was a blemish for the sport. It was a blemish for Brock. And it was obviously something that rattled and ruffled uh, rattled Mark Hunt's cage and ruffled his feathers in regards to his relationship with the UFC. Um, you know, Brock Lesnar tested positive for two tests with regards to his fight at UFC 200, and he had a four-month requirement for the testing pool waived, and obviously since then he has retired. And it's it's crazy because I think this is a this is a good way to curb some of this stuff, but it's still something that you have to keep an eye on. I mean. I think this anybody who's coming out of retirement definitely needs to to be part of the testing pool prior as for, you know, the exception for people coming in as an injury replacement. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a gray area, but these guys are taking a risk also coming in and subbing on very, very short notice. Well, the USADA and the UFC obviously are revising their their drug policies and their and their testing protocols. But one thing that came out of it this week that the USADA announced was that Chris Cyborg, who was flagged for violating, um, you know, for a potential anti-doping violation, was actually cleared, which is crazy. Uh, the, both the UFC and the USADA announced that Chris Cyborg had been cleared, uh, stemming from a December out-of-competition drug test. Additionally, she was granted a retroactive therapeutic use exception exemption, and she will not receive any penalty or sanction for the anti-doping violation. As many of you know, she had been she had been flagged for failing a drug test, and it was found that she had I'm probably going to ruin this medicine's name, uh, spironolactone for out of competition drug testing that was conducted in December. Uh, the substance is prohibited under the diuretics and masking agents, uh, you know, portion of the, the doping guidelines and prohibited at all times under the UFC anti-doping policy. Now, to Chris Cyborg's credit, she identified the substance as a medication that was prescribed to her by her physician for a treatment due to an endocrine disorder that she has. Um, the, you know, the USADA conducted a thorough investigation and um, they they actually spoke to her doctor. And the thing is that even though they flagged her for it and told her that she needed to have a therapeutic use exemption, uh, Cyborg applied for the therapeutic use exemption to authorize the substance and received it with retroactive effect after obviously due diligence was conducted by the USADA and the UFC. And they determined that she was um, allowed to utilize this medication since it was part of something that was prescribed by her doctor and above all she was upfront with it and they actually interviewed her doctors etc 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 now obviously you know the therapeutic um use exemption is something that I've, a lot of people have always kind of looked at with a with a, with the side eye because obviously guys have come in and they've used it for TRT etc but in this case it is for you know an endocrine disorder so you know, in order for athletes now to receive a therapeutic use exemption, they have to receive approval and submit medical records demonstrating a verifiable medical diagnosis as well as legitimate legitimate medical need for the requested medication. And this is all in in part of, you know, applicable via the WADA guidelines. In addition to that, two members of the USADA's independent uh, therapeutic use exemption exemption committee are must individually review the application and make the recommendation of whether it should be granted or denied. Now, in Cyborg's case, uh, the therapeutic use exemption was granted because the athlete has, you know, a complete medically uh, verifiable condition. Um, and the thing is that the medication that she was prescribed that contains the substance she was flagged for is a, is the appropriate standard medication for that type of illness. Um, 
you know, the doctors and, you know, the, after research, they determined that the doctors and, and her medical team tried other ways to, to find ways to, to treat her condition. But unfortunately, that was the only medical, the only medicine that was, um, capable of helping with her condition. So it's, it's, it's interesting how this turns, you know, how this has turned around so quickly. And, um, you know, her, her suspension was lifted and her positive test will not result in any sort of a violation. Now, one thing though, now that she has the therapeutic use exemption, uh, cyborg will be required to continue to document her medical care and must apply for that therapeutic use exemption in advance of the expiration of the one that is currently in place. If she wishes to remain compliant with what the UFC's anti-doping guidelines are now the beauty of this is and and this is where this long-winded medical diatribe is going is that now chris cyborg is free and clear to fight in the ufc's featherweight division meaning that she is capable and willing and capable of challenging jermaine durandamy for the women's featherweight title should the ufc decide to proceed in that direction uh, Jermaine Debrandami, of course, uh, defeated Holly Holm in what many viewed as a very controversial fight. And she has gone on record as saying that she would be willing to give Holly Holm a rematch. But we all know the UFC and MMA math dictates that the quickest, the quickest title opportunity is going to come to the person who puts the most zeros in Dana White's bank account. And I got to say that Chris Cyborg definitely has all the tools to make that possible. So, We'll see what happens. We're going to be monitoring this story very, very, very carefully. In other news, UFC 209 has officially been finalized. That goes down March 4th. Uh, champ Tyron Woodley will be giving the rematch to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson for the welterweight title. The interim lightweight title will be up for grabs as Tony Ferguson and Khabib Nurmagomedov square off in the co-main. Of course, the winner of that has a uh, a date with Conor McGregor when he decides to come back. Rashad Evans is also on that card, and the opener for the pay-per-view will be Mark Hunt taking on Alistair Overeem. So definitely a, a, a solid card for sure. Uh, Todd Duffy was also supposed to be fighting on that card. He was supposed to take on Mark, Go- Mark Godbeer, but unfortunately Duffy was forced off the card and a new and a new fighter, Daniel Spitz, who is a UFC newcomer, will be stepping in to face Godbeer on obvious obviously short notice uh ufc 209 once again march 4th pay-per-view for the main card prelims on ufc fight pass and fox sports one another card that started to take some shape is ufc 211 where joanna yunjechik finally figured out how to pronounce her name will be defending her strawweight title against jessica andrade also stipe miocic junior dos santos for the UFC heavyweight title will be on that card, as will Ben Rothwell and Fabricio Verdum. So uh, definitely a solid card already taking shape in May. That's going to be going down at the American Airlines Center in Dallas. Once that fight card takes additional shape, we will share it with you guys. Now, the last bit of MMA news to wrap things up. Many of us have been wondering what's going on with Ronda Rousey. And even though her fight career remains uncertain, she is starting to get some media attention once again, so much so that she will actually be involved in an episode of Blind Spot. Uh, Blind Spot is currently on NBC. I'm checking out. I've been watching that show since it started. And um, basically the, the character of the show uh, played by the, uh, the young lady who played um, the lady Sif in Thor. Damn. Her, her name escapes me. I apologize. You guys know who it is. IMDB it. Uh, in any case, um, basically she, her body is covered head to toe in tattoos and those tattoos lead to different clues and different things to solve, uh, various, you know, terrorists, you know, stop various terrorist attacks or crimes, etc. Uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty solid show. It's, it's not the best. It's not the, the worst. It's, it's good. You know, it's good filler TV. Um, on a weeknight. In any case, Ronda Rousey is going to be appearing in that show as a female, as a, as an inmate, as a female prison inmate. And, um, she'll be, she'll be involved in an episode that is going down. Uh, I believe it's the 20th episode and which will probably be airing, uh, late April or May 
Uh, this is Rousey's second TV guest appearance. She appeared in Drunk History last year, but obviously her resume's been pretty pretty stacked with with roles on various different movies, including Furious Seven, Entourage, and you know others, <laughs> The Expendables. In addition to that, so um, I gotta say it's good to see Ronda back in the public eye. I think that maybe maybe it, it might this might be good for her. You know, just doing something small TV. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe not. Who knows? I mean, for her to be involved in the character that they're saying she's going to play, who's involved in uh, who knows how to fight and handle a weapon. I'm sure she's going to be fighting uh, the character, the main character of the show, Jane, at some point. And that's that's what people are going to tune in for. Uh, you know, Rousey for me is is a is a talent that whether her career is going to continue in MMA or whether she's going to go into pro wrestling or maybe go the movie route. The fact is that she definitely has that it factor that gets people's attention. So wherever she goes, people will follow. I mean, Gina Carano left the sport. It feels like ages ago. And, you know, she's she's been involved in a couple of films, some better than others. But she did she did hit it fairly big with her role in Deadpool and that's that's sometimes all it takes and she she was good in that man i thought she did a really good job so we'll see what happens anyway for those of you looking to see ronda rousey possibly get her ass kicked uh, on a tv show you'll only have to wait until may to check it out all right that bit of mma news is going to wrap things up for this week's mma segment let us switch gears and jump into the week's wrestling news All right, let's get this ball rolling with this past Monday's Raw, which was surprisingly good. There were a lot of things I really enjoyed. Uh, the opening promo work from Kevin Owens was fucking stellar. Uh, it, was, it reminded me of his promo work during his feud with Sami Zayn. Uh, just a lot more serious, a lot, a lot, a lot more darker, a bit of an edge. And I thought it was really good. I think they, they not only helped um you know refresh kevin owens character but it also did a, a very good job in making people interested in his match with goldberg at wwe Fastlane. i thought they did a good job with that uh we had a match a number one contenders match with enzo and kaz taking on cesaro and sheamus which uh saw enzo and kaz emerge the victors and now the number one contenders to challenge gallows and anderson i i it pains me to say it man and you know I like to be entertained, but the Enzo and Cash stick is getting really fucking tiresome. I don't, I mean, even the crowd was kind of excited when, um, you know, Cesaro, when Seamus hit, uh, Kaz, um, Enzo, excuse me, with the, uh, with the brogue kick. They were definitely into that. That's for sure. Um, we got a handicap match with Anderson and Gallows taking on Roman Reigns. Uh, we had the New Day taking on Jinder Mahal and Rusev, which was, it was, it was, it was crazy, man. It was, it was all right. It definitely was. I was, you know, with regards to, to the, the Gallows and Anderson and Roman Reigns match, I was, again, I was bummed with, with the way this match went down. I don't like sacrificing the, the, the heads of your division, in this case, your tag team champions. For, for the sake of giving Roman Reigns a little bit more juice. Uh, you know, the setup, the setup for last week, we, I get it. I get what they tried to do, but regurgitating that once again for this week and in the, in the same, in the same instance, making them look weak was definitely a step in the wrong direction. Um, you know, the New Day match with, with Jinder and, and handsome Rusev was, was funny. There were a lot of funny moments there, but the big, the big thing was obviously, continuing to build the hype for the new day ice cream and uh the 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 reveal that the new day were going to be your hosts for wrestlemania which is a bit of a bummer for me personally just not having them involved in a match and giving them an awesome entrance is a little disheartening but that may change uh we had our contract signing with neville and gallagher which we know was going to end as we would expect 
Uh, did a good job though for for the most part, just making making Gallagher look good and um, making him look strong. Also, it was it was fine. I had no problem with it. It's it's a shame though that at the end of it all, you know the the main attraction here is Neville and probably Gallagher may at some point get a cruiserweight title reign, but at, right now it's all about Neville and Gallagher is just a a foil for him this time. Uh, we got a Nia Jack squash match, which nobody cares about. Uh, we had some Bailey promo work with Stephanie McMahon at her at her super heelish uh, best. Definitely, I thought they did a they did a decent job with it. I, I felt Stephanie definitely helped move it along, but then it just got bottle uh, bogged down with you know uh, Sasha and Charlotte. We we knew where it was going. We knew where it was going. Um, obviously, the setup was. Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Sasha got the got the win. Uh, you know, obviously Bailey was gonna come in for the save to stop Dana Brooke, and pretty much that's that's what it was. You know, it was it was a decent match. Um, I get it, I get where you're trying to go with this with Charlotte being undefeated in pay per views. You want to keep Bailey strong, and you also want to build towards Sasha Banks' inevitable WrestleMania involvement. We already see it a mile away. We know it's gonna be Nia. We know it's going to be Sasha. We know it's going to be uh, Charlotte and, of course, Bailey. The question is, will it be a fatal four-way? Will there be some sort of stipulation? Will Dana Brooke even get an opportunity? Who knows? But at the end of the day, um, you know, that you can see you can see the booking a mile away. It wasn't terrible, but how many times are we going to to use Sasha and Charlotte to get the crowd invested when, you know, it's something we've seen you know, we've seen a dozen times already. It's it's fucked up. You know, it definitely is uh, pretty fucked up, in my opinion. The um, we got a non-title match with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, which um, it was solid, man. But we all knew that the Samoa Joe attack was inevitable. And it definitely was, um, you know, just Kevin Owens being a monster. They did a good job with that. And um, I felt that there was some really good, uh, uh, you know, good character development and possible foundations being set up for a stable with uh, Joe and Kevin Owens and possibly Triple H. So there's definitely some cool stuff there. That's for sure. I thought, you know, I, I definitely see those those seeds being planted. I did want to mention, obviously, there was a opening graphic for the passing of George the Animal Steel, which, um, you know, I was bummed. I was bummed to read that. I was also bummed to find out uh, also about the passing of Ivan Koloff. It's just been a, a rough, a rough week for wrestling. Also, I had heard that, you know, Nicole Bassett passed away. Then I heard conflicting reports that she hadn't passed away, but that she was brain dead. Uh, just, just tough, man. Really, really tough stuff. Uh, we had a really good Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman segment. I know a lot of people weren't into it, but I thought they did a good job. Just Paul Heyman being Paul Heyman. <laughs> like that's the only way to describe it. And Brock Lesnar just looking, looking the part, which is fine. I think, I think they did a good job with that. Our main event for Raw was Braun Strowman and the Big Show. It was, I really thought it was going to be a completely piss poor shit show of a match, but it was a surprisingly well done big man match. You know, they worked, they worked the match very well and it definitely looks like these guys did their homework. There was a lot of really good stuff. From from the big show, they definitely did a good job keeping him strong, and also Braun Strowman sold a lot of the stuff like a like like a champ, which is good. I I really you know I really thought that they did a good job. They they even there was some some small moments where things kind of fell apart, but they did a good job just keeping you know keeping the pace going and and saving what could have just been really really bad. Um, they did they did good, you know, they did a really really good job. I thought that this was one of those moments where it was I felt the match was a passing of the torch for for Braun Strowman. You know, he 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 was booked well for the match. He looked good in the match and the big show made him look aces all while not, you know, completely jobbing out show, which we already know he's probably, you know, his inevitable match with Shaq is is bound to start taking shape sooner rather than later. And I think I think they they did a good job. I thought I, I like I said when I read it, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna see this shit as our main event." But they took their time. They really, they really made it work as well as possible. And a lot of it probably is because they they've they've done the match at house shows. They've been building towards it. 
you know, I've heard a lot of stories about the big show. Ryback has actually told quite a few on his podcast, you know, and that when the big show wants to sell your offense and bump for you, like that's a big deal. You know, that's that's something huge, especially because, you know, his body isn't in the best shape that it was. And for him to eat so much of, of Braun's offense the way he did and look good doing it, I thought they did a good job. I definitely feel that that was that was a high point. Now, this doesn't mean I want to see this match every week, but I thought, you know, I definitely thought it was a good job. I also felt that Reigns hitting the ring and, um, you know, uh, getting getting pretty much drop kicked and 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 sent packing was a good way to keep that momentum going. They did a good job. I thought I thought it was really well done. That's for sure. On the SmackDown side of things, SmackDown, you know, I was I was bummed because I had heard a lot of rumors and obviously they were true that Naomi was forced to vacate the title. Uh, they did a really good job, though, in terms of just creating some really compelling storytelling. Um, not sure, in my opinion, why they went with Becky Lynch there when they could have easily have given Mickey James the opportunity against Alexa Bliss. But I'm sure that they're crafting a different narrative for that um the end result was alexa bliss becoming now a two-time uh smackdown women's champion which it's not terrible i think alexa bliss has improved has improved quite a bit and um we'll see what happens it's a it's a shame though with regards to naomi um turns out that she had injured her knee during the moonsault spot at the elimination chamber according to the wrestling observer and uh, people thought that she was she would be able to be back in there this week. But it turns out that it was definitely more serious than expected. Um, they're comparing it to the, the injury Seth Rollins recently suffered, um, where obviously she's going to be on the shelf not too long. But her, her WrestleMania timeline is definitely questionable. Uh, we had an American Alpha squash match with Fandango and um, Tyler Breeze. It was it was OK. I know where they're going, though. Obviously, the Usos continue to play the head games. They did a good job uh, with that. I thought that was solid. The The Falls Count Anywhere match with Nikki and Natalia was a lot better in my eyes than I thought it was going to be. I mean, compared to their pay-per-view match, I, I you could say it was fucking five stars, but it was it was good. They really had good energy there. Um, the Maurice involvement, while surprising, it, you know, I've been talking about the rumors that they're going to we're going to have a mixed tag match at WrestleMania with uh, John Cena and Nikki Bella against Miz and Maurice. And this uh, this ending definitely kind of added fuel to that fire. The match itself was good. They did a good job with it. You know, they also like I said, it was good, cohesive storytelling, um, you know, taking riding the, the momentum that was started at the elimination chamber with the little backstage segment there. Uh, you know, overall, not not the best match of the night by any stretch, but definitely a lot better than what I've seen from the two of them. Um, you know, we had our battle royal at the end of the night. The winner was going to face Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania. Uh, John Cena, AJ, The Miz, Luke Harper, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, Apollo Crews, Kalisto, Mojo, and Dean Ambrose. Um, overall, the match the match was pretty good. You know, a nice little nice little battle royal action there. Uh, you know. They set up a lot of things here. We saw the continued development of the feud between Ambrose and Corbin, which, again, very good. Uh, obviously, we're starting to see the seeds being planted for The Miz and John Cena, where The Miz was eliminated, jumps back in and tosses Cena. Cena, as a result, gets eliminated. Um, it was it was it was really good. I also like the ending the way it went down with Harper and Styles being eliminated at the same time. And now, obviously, we get a match to crown uh, a number one contender next week. I, I thought I thought it was good. I thought that they really did a solid job putting all the pieces together for all of the WrestleMania moments, the WrestleMania matches for the SmackDown brand. Uh, definitely a lot of build there. And um, the beauty of it is that SmackDown doesn't even have the pressure of another pay-per-view like raw kind of has to step it up because they got to do fast lane and then from fast lane it's right into you know building the momentum from that pay-per-view into wrestlemania i feel that in smackdown's case they're in the driver's seat as a brand because a lot of those pressures are off their shoulders you know now they could just focus on good tv every week all the way up to wrestlemania i think we got four or five smackdowns between now and mania and um 
like I said, just no, no, no pressure and just really, really good storytelling. While Raw was really good this week, I felt SmackDown hit it out of the park, putting all their little pieces together for what is shaping up to be a very solid uh, WrestleMania for the blue brand. But we'll see what happens next week on the 205 live side. Obviously, we're building towards um, the big match of Fastlane with Neville and Jack Gallagher. Uh, we had a good match between Brian Kendrick and Akira Tozawa. I just, you know, I kind of felt that it was, they shouldn't have gone with the, with, with, they should have kind of dragged that match out a little bit more with interference and everything. Giving people the match so quickly kind of takes away any luster of when the match officially goes down. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we had a good Mustafa Ali, Noam Dar match. I know some people weren't too, too, too into the match. Obviously, Mustafa Ali is going to come in, do a lot of his great high flying spots. Um, Noam Dar though, he brings, he brings really good, uh, heel heat, you know, people just, he, he's, he's made himself such a hateable character and such an annoying character that, that he's, he's really thriving in that environment. And some people feel that that's, what's made his character so compelling. The fact that he's just an annoying little douchebag, but that he doesn't really bring any real wrestling to the table. And I don't, I don't think that's the case. I feel that Noam Dar's just been working the WWE style compared to what we've seen from him on the independence or in the Cruiserweight Classic. And I think it's fine. I mean, Mustafa Ali was more than capable of, of delivering in terms of any sort of high flying acrobatics. And that's the case. You know, it definitely the only problem is that that Noam Dar, he's so caught up in playing the douchebag that he's not really as energetic or intense as he should be. It's pretty much kind of just coasting along, you know, playing the cocky prick instead of really fine tuning uh, the villainy that that his character is supposed to have. It's it's a shame, too, because, uh, you know, where Noam Dar is 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 fall is failing is where Neville is thriving. You know, Neville got repackaged. He came back. He's just super aggressive, super intense, and it works. And I think that Noam Dar should be on a similar level, just super intense, but cocky in, in, you know, it should be a combination of the two. It's just that they're just riding that wave of, oh, you know, he's our cocky heel that they're not finding ways to truly make him a better performer in that respect. His wrestling for me is fine. I just feel his character needs more fine tuning and Mustafa Ali, the crowd is into the character. You know, you don't, you haven't, you haven't had to rely on the racial tropes to get him over and to see him just not being utilized more so is is unfortunate. Um also very excited to see that Austin Aries is back and um you know I think I think that's that's huge obviously. I I felt that it was a nice touch Austin Aries announcing his own video package and um you know it was it was it was good man. It was good to see that. Uh it's going to be good for 205 live and to see a guy like Austin Aries in there, it's 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 a great addition to the show. Again, I just feel 205 Live would thrive better at full sale and not on the road. That's just me. Our main event on 205 Live, Jack Gallagher, Tony Nice, uh, very very good match. Good work from both guys. Nice doing doing some awesome work as always. Gallagher continues to not only improve but just continue to get the fans you know, really behind all his shenanigans. And, and that's all that matters. Uh, Tony Nice is, you know, three, two or three matches away from being a guy that could be vying for a title. Too many people are, are caught up in, you know, the fact that he's jacked and he has a very nevilish look to him, but Tony Nice is a capable performer as somebody who's watched wrestling here in New York on the independence. I've seen Tony Nice's work. And, you know, WWE's only just beginning to scratch the surface. I think Nice has the tools and the look to be a, a big threat in the cruiserweight division. And I'm only hoping that they start utilizing his talents sooner rather than later, because by then the ship will have sailed. And when they finally decide to invest in him, nobody will give a shit. But overall, the match was good. Uh, Gallagher got, you know, he got a really good uh, push from a guy who in you know stylistically and physically is very similar to Neville which is always a plus and um Nice looks good you know he he looked good even even losing he looks good so that's that's something to keep an eye on uh no Drew Gulak sighting this week but um 
you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see him next week. All right. Let's jump into the wrestling news. Um, the, the interesting thing that a lot of people were talking about and sharing on Facebook this week was a match from TNA Impact. My, my impact is, uh, backlog is, is a couple of episodes in, but people were, were sending me this on Facebook and there's an episode of Impact where a referee is blurred out. And that was, you know, um, the Hardys went to crash to take on super crazy and psychosis and Impact Wrestling showed the match. But the funny thing is they had to blur out the referee because Lucha Underground sent TNA a cease and desist because the referee is under contract with them, which is fucking bonkers. Everybody was sending me like screenshots and shit. So if you watch TNA Impact and you wonder why the ref has been blurred out, ladies and gents, that's it. And if you haven't watched it, you can probably check it out on the Impact YouTube channel or see if they do a, a, an a, you know uh, Impact replay and you can check it out there. But it was pretty hilarious. I I looked, you know, and I'm like, what are all these messages? And people are like, yo, did you see TNA this week? And I'm like, shit, I haven't. And it was like the ref just blurred out. It was it was crazy. It definitely was really really crazy. Um, you know, as I mentioned during during the raw recap you know the the passing of george the animal steel was was truly unfortunate you know at 79 years of age i had seen a uh, a message from our friend mike kingston who does headlocked uh referencing that george the animal steel was in you know some 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 bad it was in a bad way with regards to his health and um shortly after i read that you know i saw that he had passed and i was bummed you know i remember the days of george the animal steel just biting the turnbuckle and chasing Miss Elizabeth and just being uh, just being one of those guys that nobody could ever forget. It's like, hey, George the Animal Steel. Yeah, man, that was the guy that bit the turnbuckles. Like it was it, it was always very easy to to put that correlation together. And, um, you know, I was I was bummed to hear it. Uh, also, the passing of Ivan Koloff, um, which I mentioned, was also talked about um he was actually battling liver cancer i ended up finding out and obviously he ended up losing that battle but it was it was unfortunate and like i said nicole bass had been having a a ton of health problems i believe she had a stroke and then she ended up being brain dead which is what i last heard and obviously i still haven't had official confirmation from what many uh wrestling outlets have reported is that she uh, her companion had reported that she had passed away. And then obviously a little more research turns out that she was brain dead and that they had made the decision, I believe, to remove her off life support, but that her companion released the fact that she passed away because she was she was, you know, declared brain dead, which again, you know, my 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 heart goes out to the families of all these individuals for, you know, having to go through this stuff, man. It's never easy, you know, burying a loved one or or dealing with the passing of a loved one, especially those whose loved ones have been in the public eye, because there's always constant reminders. I mean, for, for George, the animal steel, he'll, you know, he's everywhere. He's one of those guys that people are always going to talk about matches, especially on the network. I, same thing with Ivan Koloff. Um, when Nicole Bass, it's a little, it's a little different for, for different reasons, but still, uh, you know, she was, she was a performer that was active for, for quite some time. And it's again, just unfortunate. Also mentioned on Raw this week, and I don't believe I mentioned it when I was going through the Raw recap, was the announcement that DDP was going to be joining the 2017 Hall of Fame class, joining Kurt Angle, Teddy Long, and the Rock and Roll Express. Um, I feel it's an honor that's that's well-deserved. DDP is a, is a guy who's been in the business for a long time, came into the business at a, at a late state, at a very late stage in his in his life. And went from being the guy that just came in to being the guy that took over. I mean, this is an, a guy who absorbed wrestling like a sponge and worked his ass off. He was the first guy in the, in the ring and the last guy out of the ring. And if you want to hear a really good interview, uh, with Diamond Dallas Page, uh, he stopped by Jason Faruja's Renegade Radio podcast. Jason Faruja was a guest on MTR behind the mic and, um, a guy who I'm a huge fan of. I actually, enjoy renegade radio quite a bit and the interview that he had with jason was tremendous i'm going to try and link to that in the show notes for this episode because it was really good and it and it gave so many great stories from you know ddp gave so many great stories just from all the different people that helped him get to you know the various stages in his career 
And I think it's a, it's an honor that's well deserved. I mean, he's one of those guys when you talk about WCW. Yeah, you could talk about Ric Flair. You could talk about all that, but WCW through and through, definitely Diamond Dallas Page, Sting, you know, those guys, those guys were WCW products. Booker T, those were the guys that, that, that cut their teeth in WCW. And yeah, you know, they, they got over in WCW and, and they stayed over in WWE, but, the big break came for them in, in during the attitude era in WCW. And like I said, DDP definitely is deserving of that induction. So the other, the other crazy news story was, uh, the rock getting himself into some hot water. Uh, it seems, uh, during this past Monday's raw, they were filming the, uh, fighting with my family film, which is, uh, the film I had talked about that the rocks production company is doing based on, the life of Paige and and her family. So, you know, The Rock was 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 out there and he was trying to get the fans to to stay for for, you know, be to be in the crowd for the filming of some scenes and um he said that he was going to get CM Punk on the phone. And um <laughs> I can imagine WWE was not happy, which a lot of outlets are actually reporting that that they weren't. Um, he ended up calling CM Punk on FaceTime. CM Punk did not respond, but did acknowledge it on Twitter. Uh, you know, the crowd was really into it and, um, it was crazy because, you know, PW Insider had reported that they tried to have the rock go in a different direction, et cetera, et cetera. It was, it was insane, man. It was really, really crazy that, that the rock would do that. And I'm sure the rock got himself into a little, a little trouble for it, but, I'm sure it's 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 nothing compared to what if it were someone else. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure he got a stern talking to from Vince. But the fuck are you going to do? It's the rock. He doesn't he doesn't need to do this shit, but he does. You know, it's uh, it was um, it was interesting when I read that. I was like, wow, imagine if CM Punk would have answered the phone. That would have been bananas, but still uh, pretty cool. Nonetheless, for the for the rock to do something like that. On the TNA side of things, we know that a lot of wrestlers were performing without contracts still, uh, Drew Galloway and the Hardys in particular, but two performers that have re-signed with TNA are Mike and Maria Bennett. Of course, Mike Bennett uh, came into TNA from Ring of Honor with his wife, Maria Canellas Bennett, and they've been there, you know, since, since January and have been working uh, with various different, you know, different performers in the company, and they are now uh, officially re-signed. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be interesting to, to see what they do with them. My, I, I like Mike Bennett. I feel that he has potential, but I just don't feel that his potential is going to be maximized in TNA, at least in my opinion. That's for sure. Last but not least, uh, you know, we had talked about a couple of months back that we were going to be getting a series based on glow, uh, the gorgeous ladies of wrestling on Netflix. Well, it looks like, um, the uh the the series will be scheduled to debut on March 31st on Netflix and um they're also going to allegedly get some original episodes from the original series as well that's what i've been hearing um don't quote me on it uh you know it's it's something i've been hearing i've been hearing that we're going to get the new the new glow series but we're also going to allegedly get some of the old stuff as well. We'll see what happens. The new series is scheduled to debut on Netflix March 31st with 10 episodes of the first season being available that day, which is, which is pretty awesome. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, a lot of people have been interested in the, the interesting change that happened at WWE's upcoming Madison square garden house show. Uh, the arena, had updated the card for the March 12th show and replacing Naomi at that event is going to be NXT women's champion Oscar, who will now be involved in the eight woman tag match alongside Nikki Bella and Becky Lynch and Tamina, who is coming back as a face. It looks like taking on Alexa bliss, Mickey James, Natalia and Carmella. So perhaps a little foreshadowing, perhaps just somebody stepping in for, 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 you know, an, an, an injured superstar, but a lot of people are excited that Asuka is going to be involved in, uh, this WWE house show at Madison Square Garden. If you're a New York resident and want to attend, mark it down March 12th at MSG. All right. I think, uh, that is the last bit of wrestling news for this weekend. 
It is also the end of this week's show. So I've given you guys my take on MMA and wrestling. As always, I'd love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out via social media. You can find My Take Radio on Twitter at My Take Radio. The rest of our social media presence can be found via RageWorks, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, of course, uh, Google+, Pinterest, Snapchat. Those links will be in the show notes for this episode. I invite all of you, as always, to join our Facebook group and interact with myself and the rest of the RageWorks team, talking wrestling, MMA, video games, entertainment, tech, and anything else that comes our way. Uh, it's a good way to to interact and just get a, a closer bond with our listeners and readers. So if you haven't, uh, visit the RageWorks group on Facebook. Links for that will also be in the show notes. All right. I want to thank all of you for uh, enjoying. Well, I it's up to you if you enjoyed it, but for checking out this week's MMA and wrestling edition. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment and give us a rating on Stitcher or iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And it's always nice to see that you guys are checking our stuff out. So again, take a moment, uh, rate us on iTunes or Stitcher, whether it's my show, uh, my take radio or the variant issue or any of the other shows on the RageWorks network. I know the hosts would definitely love to hear from you guys. All right, guys, keep it locked here this week for the gaming and entertainment edition of MTR and make sure to join us March 1st at 1130 PM Eastern, 830 PM Pacific for the live MMA and wrestling edition of My Take Radio, which just so happens to be episode 400. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. My Take Radio is part of the RageWorks Podcast Network, giving you the best rants about gaming, entertainment, and the works. To find out more, visit us at RageWorks.net.